0: This is Monocle on Design, a show where we unpack everything from architecture and craft to furniture and fashion. I'm Nick Manise. On today's show, we report from Milan at the world's biggest design fair, Salone del Mobile. We'll be setting the scene in Italy with a round table featuring designers from across the globe. We also visit a new exhibition by Pro Helvetia. Plus, we hear from IKEA's Marcus Engman. All that coming up on Monocle on Design. Welcome to today's show, coming to you directly from Monocle's pop-up studio at the Rossignoli Bike Shop in the Brera Design District of Milan. Here, at this studio, which was created in collaboration with Swiss Modular Furniture Specialist USM, we've been playing host to a number of important designers, curators and gallerists in recent days, as we, at Monocle, report from the ground in Milan. To help set the scene, we're starting today's show with a roundtable, looking at why Salone del Mobile is the most significant event on the global design calendar. I was joined by Keisha Daviawalla, the team from design studio Neri & Hu, which work closely with heritage Italian brand Poltrona Frau, and Peter Erlinson, owner of Sweden's String.
1: Hi guys, my name is Peter Erlinson from Sweden, and I'm a co-owner and a co-founder of String Furniture.
2: Hi, my name is Keisha Daviawalla, I am the co-founder and co-owner at Vasper Italy, an online mid-century gallery.
1: Hi,
3: I'm Lyndon Neary, uh, the lesser half of Neri and Hu, a multidisciplinary practice based in Shanghai.
4: Hi, I'm Rosanna Hu, I'm the other half of Neri and Hu, and I escaped the Shanghai lockdown to come to Milan.
0: Sensational. Well, thank you so much for joining us here today. And I guess what I really like about this mix that we've got in this roundtable is just, you know, this Salona del Mobile and Milan Design Week is is perhaps the biggest design event in the global design calendar. And I think we've got a really nice cross section of, of the global design community. We've got, you know, Keisha, we've got the Milanese community represented. We've got the Nordics represented. We've got Asia represented. I guess... That's maybe how I wanted to start this. In case, perhaps you're, you're perfect. I mean, you've you've been here. Well, you're perfect as a person, but also you've been you're a perfect example to start this conversation. I mean, you've you've been in Milan for 15 years. You've seen it evolve. I mean, what does Salone del Mobile mean to you as somebody from this city?
2: I think it's the place to be because if you want to be in tune with what's happening in the design world everywhere in various sectors, not just the collectible side that we focus on, but even in new productions and to see what the companies are doing you have to be here to witness it and uh, even as students in school they would teach us to you know go get the feel of the salon del Mobile so you know what you're getting into in in your career so I think it's a big deal.
0: I mean and and what does the week sort of look for you I mean you're the only one that's not staying in an Airbnb or or a hotel are you are you waking up are you meeting clients are you connecting with designers from across the globe yeah what does that look like?
2: Ours being an online reality for now, we always focus on Salone as a chance to meet our clients who come looking for pieces for their interiors or private clients who are looking to maybe spruce up a corner of their home with a historic collectible. So it's always nice for them to come and maybe see the piece dal vivo, as uh, as the Italians say. What
0: does does that mean for (laughs)
2: Right, in person, so right in front of them live. And it also gives a lot of confidence to a buyer, for example, a collector to actually witness the piece right in front of them you know check the condition, see the authenticity maybe look for a label and we focus a lot on uh, archival information and um, it's always nice to see our clients in person also because it's been so many years after covid so it's a good moment at least for this week i am really excited
0: amazing and i mean rosanna and linden you're working with italian brands like poltrona frau i mean can you tell me a little bit about what you've got on on show this year maybe starting with them and then some of your other work too
3: yeah, we are launching six new products. So, this is the first time we're in, we sort of venture away from the main big brands, with the exception of Poltrona Frau, which is an extension of our product. We're designing a handle for a brand called Ento. They are breaking away from the classical notion of what a handle is. A Japanese brand called Ariake, which is also interesting because the craftsmanship that they come with is amazing. Whitman, a Viennese brand, and, and it's intentional. What we were trying to do is, and um, in, in the reason why Milan is so important for us is because I think oftentimes, especially with the current political cycle in which people are getting so nationalistic and far right, I think it's important to bring people together and understand that design and the empowerment of humanity and community that come together actually can work and will work. And this whole idea of national border it's just a fictive imagination of some politicians who wants to divide us. But I, I think mm-hmm. as a community of designers, I think there is hope. And I think Milan is that. And so we're excited about that.
0: I mean, I don't know if you've got anything to add off the back of that,
3: Rosanna.
4: Uh, yeah. So some of the brands that London probably missed, we're um, working also with a brand, Anto, which is a hardware. Very interesting. First time designing hardware for He's us. He's a good student. La Manufacture. Uh, French. Two, yeah, two collections, a chair and... Uh, Another uh, larger collection of chair and cabinets, of course, Portauna Frau. Very wood, a, a new chair for Very wood, and also Whitman. Yeah. So
0: you're you're, you're very busy working so. a, across a lot of I guess global brands, you know, big and small. There, I mean, Peter, you're you're representing your own brand here. Can you tell me a little bit about what this event means for String? And you know, you're not too far away in Sweden. You're 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 coming to Milan. Why visit?
1: Well, especially this year specifically, it's kind of, you know, back into the game after this COVID thing. I mean, this is the first big fair, actually, since COVID started, a global fair. For us, it's, uh, it's always been a very great place to, to kind of build our brand, meet people from, you know, different companies and customers, of course. But as I, I said before, I think Milan is quite unique, not just a fair, which we are at, that's alone in itself, but I mean the whole thing. What's happening downtown? It's it's quite unique, you know. I think maybe there is a trend over the coming years that we will not have. I mean a company like String will not be at six or seven fairs a year. We will maybe go down to a little lesser fair, a little less in, in, in numbers. But I think this place, because of what's happening, not just out by the fair, but also downtown. And as you said before, Kasia about the you know different clothing, fashion, everything. So it's it's quite a unique place. So it's for us it's very important, of course. To meet i mean we have a global ambition and we're all over the place already but this is a, the place i guess to be if we want to pick one big fair this is the place and i mean have you
0: have you noticed so you, when did you arrive Are you, did you arrive this morning have you yeah, have you had morning, have you morning. had a chance to wander around have you have you seen much yet well
1: i've seen our own stand <laughs> that looks terrific by the way you can come there whole 15. <laughs> not much actually
0: but i mean he's also part of it i mean he, he, is it, is it witnessing, uh, trends isn't the right word, but perhaps getting a feel for the direction of the design industry as well. Is that as important as showing your products?
1: I guess it is. Every, I guess everybody knows the sustainability part is very important, of course. Uh, that you can see if you walk around the halls, you can see a lot of emphasis on that. But uh, in that sense, like, I think, you know, in our view, sustainability is not just about that you can recycle things, but actually that the stuff you produce are kind of timeless can have the possibility to become classic so people kind of buy something and keep it for a long time. And I actually go back to what Arctic from Finland did even 15 years ago with their second cycle and also with their super cool slogan called one share is enough, you know, still 60. How many shares actually do you need to produce in the world? So that kind of thinking, timelessness, classicness, I think that's, that will be strong over the coming decade. I'm sure. I mean,
0: I'm curious as well. You know, Linda and Rosanna, in terms of you know Neri and who you're, you're making products that you ultimately want you know people to buy and, and furnish their homes in. How do you strike that balance between you know one chair is enough, but then also I want more than one Neri and who
3: chair? Yeah, it's it's interesting because we were interviewed this morning, early this morning, and aside from walking, the next activity that you actually do is sitting and yet Nike produces a lot of different shoes, right? To give you a different way of jumping is different from running, is different from walking. Now, I'm not asking you to have so many chairs. You're right. I think there's enough chairs, but I think the conscious nature of the way you sit and the way you work nowadays, uh, sometimes you stand. You don't have to work. So maybe it's about the table. It's about an adjustable table. It's about an adjustable chair. How do you sleep? Do you lay? Do you kind of lounge? There's many ways of using a chair for sleeping, for drinking, for eating, for reading, right? So we're constantly questioning this and the notion of typology in the way of making. So it's not so much about the chair, but furniture that is part of your family.
4: Just to add on to what Lyndon talked about, it's more kind of the idea of, like, shoes, the function of an object, and, you know, no longer do we wear shoes because it protects our feet, but why do we even wear Uh, high heels. It's not comfortable. But when people question whether a chair is comfortable, I think I always use that analogy. And the chair, I mean, I definitely agree with what Peter just talked about in terms of sustainability as a way of thinking, not just about kind of, you know, recycling material. And when we design products, we often think beyond just the function, but it's an object and it's an object of desire. It's an object of artwork and a chair could be a sculpture uh, and so on and so forth but the idea of sustainability is um, behind the thinking but of course i i think there's no solution to what you just post And it's a real problem that we need to address. Yeah, and I don't have a solution.
0: Well, Keisha, I'd be be curious for your take on this. You know, you're running a collectible design gallery. You're finding pieces of furniture that are decades old. These are covetable items that people want in their home. Is is there anything, you know, are there any tools, I guess, used to identify these pieces that are going to be treasured and have had a long life and will continue to have a long life?
2: You need to do a lot of research, a lot of research. We have so many books at home, it's a problem. You have to look at old publications, you have to go through old catalogs. Flea markets are fun, but people get there before you nowadays because, you know, everybody knows what these pieces are worth. But what I love about what's happening now, especially in our niche sector of the market, is that we don't have a specific age group for collectors anymore. We have people my age, I'm in my early 30s, uh, 30s, 40s, people are looking for pieces of furniture to obviously add to newer productions but pieces that might uh, enhance or really complement a contemporary piece as well and that happens a lot more often than one might imagine and for clients, collectors globally that are a lot closer to my age group and their sense of owning an item that is so coveted, they understand what goes into it, They, they ask the right questions so I think it's really exciting for somebody like me who's, you know, just started out. I hope there's more of us out there.
0: So, it, it, I mean, it almost sounds like it, it's about, you know, the sustainability element, which we've sort of touched on already, is about buying right, buying something meaningful. It's not just about, you know, a material that's made from, you know, recycled plastic or repurposed timber. It's, it's about having something that you actually want to hold on to. Is that sort of what we're seeing emerge?
2: Obviously, a lot of our clients are never related to the contract sector because we go directly to a private client or to an architect or a studio that does interiors. And they usually look for the piece or the chair or the lamp. And our job is to go around, look for the right piece, make sure it's authentic, make sure it's functional in today's day and age, make sure that it's reupholstered without affecting its historic value. So it's a task, but we really enjoy doing it.
0: I mean, I want to ask as well, and, and Peter, we'll, we'll, we'll come back to you here. I mean, we're, we're all lucky enough to be here in, in Milan and, and, you know, experience all of, all of these things firsthand, see amazing designs, visit the trade halls, you know, visit people in their showrooms and, and meet designers. But I guess for people that can't come to Milan and, and to Salone del Mobile, is there a way for them to, I don't know, pick up on, on what's, you know, being shared here? Is there something from, I guess, the broader design agenda that people can tap into from other parts of the globe?
1: I don't know how easy it is, actually, for people not being here, exactly seeing what's going on here. I'm not sure, actually. Of course, online. We should change each company. But I would like to go back to what Kesha said about these kind of, you know, contemporary pieces, actually antique pieces, because I think there's been a trend last, at least in Scandinavia, the last 10 years, that 15 years, that people buy new kind of classic furniture. I mean, classic Danish stuff or even not classic furniture kind of they change around quite fast, but I think maybe there is a trend. I would like to see at least that people dare to mix in antique stuff. I mean, you don't need to have like a brand new table and a brand new uh, shares from some Danish producer. You can have an antique table from the uh, UK, you know, in the massive oak that actually is extremely cheap what you get and mix that in, you know, with... Because a lot of people are very afraid of what they actually when they do their home. So they're new, all the classic stuff, they need to fill the house with that. But you should, I think you should dare to buy some real, I mean, real antique stuff too, to mix that in. I think that's, you know, I like that myself, to be honest.
0: So maybe maybe the takeaway here is for people that aren't here, it's just to take risks, buy good, buy smartly designed pieces. I don't know if, you know, Nerin, yeah. who have you got I, I, anything I, I, to add?
3: Actually, it's interesting when you talked about the questioning of do we have enough chair? design chair. My answer to that is no. In fact, all the designs in Milan is very much needed because we only represent 5% of the total furniture industry. There's 95% that's garbage out there, right? So there's a lot of people, actually, there's enough chair for everyone. Garbage chair, yes, if you want garbage chairs, right? And they often say it's affordable. It's not necessarily affordable. Some of them are even more expensive than a lot of the new Scandinavian chairs from Hay and from Tradition and all that. And yet people do not know that because they're not here and they're not aware, Right. People are more aware in the fashion industry, more than design. Guess, yeah. Despite the fact that. that the design industry for Milan is bigger than the fashion industry in terms of the, the fair itself. That yeah. yeah,
2: That is true. And
3: so it's, it's kind of an anomaly for me that a lot of people come here either not really knowing the importance of good quality and good products, which is exactly what you guys are saying. And a lot of those antique is where it is today. Whether you like B.D. Meyer or not, it has quality of its own. Of
2: course, yeah. yes. and, and It's so, what brought us here. Yeah. It's what got us here to this co- point. Co- correct. Yeah. So yeah. so that, exactly.
3: that's my point. That there's a number of things. It's about good quality more than style, I think, if I were to answer that question. More oh, of a
2: balance, right?
4: Well, you can it's yes, quality with good design.
3: My thanks to Keisha Daviawala, Lyndon
0: Neri and Rosanna Hu, and Peter Erlinson. Now we're taking a short stroll from Rossignoli to the House of Switzerland, just around the corner in the Brera Design District. Here, Swiss foundation Pro Helvetia is providing a compelling snapshot of where the Alpine Nation's creative industries are heading with an exhibition called Design Switzerland's Living Spaces. Monocle's executive editor, Nolan Giles, met Pro Helvetia's head of international platforms, Marie Maioli, to learn about the show
5: so we're actually in the design switzerland living spaces exhibition it's uh, presented by prolevesia prolevesia is the swiss arts council we're in the house of switzerland this is a premiere. we never had a house basically with all those partners together so that's the first time but it's our fourth edition of exhibitions at the milan design week
6: amazing but what is this building usually it's such a beautiful space
5: yeah it's very very beautiful so it's casa degli artisti and actually it's a place that opened again one and a half year ago and it's actually a residency art space it's a very beautiful space with uh, three storage and like open areas inside areas very green very beautiful
6: okay so let's look around because i'm seeing lots of different i guess little mini installations with beautiful furniture so how have you kind of selected the talent that's here today
5: so basically one year ago we did an open call and we asked the new generation of designers swiss designers to answer to the question how do living spaces evolve with this changing society and so we got many many applications with very good and interesting projects but those nines made the cuts basically they were selected by our jury and they all answered to the question of sustainability fairness and are innovative in some ways. Yeah, they're just great projects, actually.
6: They're really beautiful. I'm looking at this. It looks kind of like an extendable bench, I'm guessing, made out of timber and supported by the IKEA Foundation.
5: Exactly. So Shizuka Saito created this project, Mingle. It's the first time it's presented here. So the idea here was, uh, yeah, it's adapting to our society in the terms that we live in smaller places. And so she created this I would say stool that then grows into a bench. And uh, the maximum length is like one meter and 20 centimeters long. So it's, uh, yeah, adaptable to how many friends you have at home for dinner.
6: It's one of the coolest designs I've seen for a long time because it kind of looks like nothing that we've seen before, right? But it's so practical.
5: But actually it's inspired by this uh, tool. Uh. I don't know if you know it. In Switzerland, it's very, very common to have this at home. It's a pose plat when you have something very warm, like a pan that you want to put on the table. So you, yeah, you put it, and then you put the pan on. And it's, that's the, the inspiration of this, how can say, accordion kind of type of uh, object, yeah. And she made it a bench, a stool that becomes a bench.
6: So it's basically like uh, like you say, like an accordion, it stretches out, it, it compresses back in. I'd love to ask you about, you know, you've seen all of the entrants, you've selected, who you would like to be here. What do you think is in common with all of the things that you're showing in terms of the Swissness? Is there something particularly Swiss or is that, even, is that not even a thing anymore? Is it just good design?
5: I think it's just good design. I think there's not really a proper Swiss. I think actually the diversity of Swiss design is what's actually interesting. That's my opinion, of course. But I think what brings them all together here during this exhibition is actually the exhibition design that was made by Yod, which is also an upcoming studio based in Lausanne and they've made actually this place like and thought about this place as a place where you come during the Milan Design Week, being very, very um, I mean busy and all and you come here, you take a break, that's why there are also all those benches and you get into the conversation with the designers actually. Yeah.
6: And it's so nice to have all these you know, incredible young designers here to speak to and to show off their work. How excited are you, I guess, about Salone as an event, bringing everyone together and doing something so huge for Swiss design?
5: I'm very happy and enthusiastic, actually, about what we've been doing so far for those last four years. It's very important for them, actually, to, to have this type of spaces where they actually get to meet the industry, which is all present here during the Milan Design Week. So, yeah, it's very cool. It's very nice.
0: Finally on today's episode, we return to Rossignoli for a chat with Marcus Engman, Chief Creative Officer for IKEA's retail arm, Inca Group. The Swedish furniture firm is exceptionally busy this year in Milan, with an exhibition in the city's Tortona neighbourhood. To find out more, here's Nolan Giles in conversation with Engman.
6: And you're doing loads of stuff at the moment. I've already visited your uh, installation, which is now open in Helsingborg, where you seem to have taken over an entire town. And you're trying to take over Milan as well. So what are you working on at the moment? What can people see?
7: It's actually not a takeover. What we want to do is to uh, show our interest in life at home and get more people interested in life at home, of course. So that's what we do. And here we have done like a big exhibition in uh, Tortona, which is actually three different things. And then we throw parties during the nighttime. And we're recording this on the Tuesday of Salone and I understand you have quite a,
6: a big name on the stage tonight. Well, a big name in Italy anyway.
7: Yeah, it's the rapper actually. It's quite acclaimed here. He's uh, called Gali and you should listen into to him. It's good, I would say.
6: So what type of experience are you trying to create over in Tortona because... You know, there's probably a different crowd that wants to go watch an Italian rapper as there is to a crowd that's, you know, really interested in design and furniture. Maybe they're interested in everything, but how are you trying to kind of bring people together there with all these different things?
7: That's good that you say that because it's all about bringing people together, actually. And that's why we do music. That's why we do art. That's why we do food also on top of home furnishings and design, because that's what's important to people. And we want to pull it all together there in this one experience. And what we have done is actually an exhibition which is a little bit about showcasing our interest in people and people's homes and how they live. You know, we do thousands of home visits every year within IKEA. Everybody does them. I do them myself every year too. A lot of them all around the world. So we have gathered that in this inspiring exhibition and then try to do something which is not just telling how it is, but actually get people to experience the different life situations of people.
6: And it's pretty amazing I've been over and I have experienced it because you are kind of aiming at different points in people's life journey, I guess, and how they interact with the home. So you kind of even for myself, I get a picture of what things might be like when I'm a bit further down the track in my life. What can you maybe take us through these these different aspects of people's lives and the times in their lives that you showcase and how you do it?
7: Yeah, okay, I could do that. Walk you through the exhibition while not being there. Yeah, that's good. So you come into this brilliant big space and the first thing you see is actually a big disco ball. And inside of that disco ball it's a gigantic bed. So uh, what is that all about then? Uh, It's the first life situation that we set out and it's about the first home actually. And it's not then a room set but it is how people experience their first home, what it's all about. So what we have learned is that uh, first homers, everything happens in bed. Bed is by far the most important thing in, in your home. And the second most important thing is to have a lot of friends and party. So what would be better to experience that than actually doing a disco ball bed? So that's what we have done. So people can hang out in it and feel how it is to be first homer. Then when you go into the exhibition further, there is uh, next one is actually moving together. I think that's we have done like a pantheon building out of moving boxes. And inside of that, you can have that feeling of the first night moving together. You haven't unpacked your moving boxes yet. And you just sit there with maybe a glass of something good to drink on your, directly on your floor with some carpets rolled out. And think about all of the things that you imagine your life will be for the future. So getting that feeling. And then, yeah, third one. If you wanted me to go through them all, keep going here. Yeah, <laughs> maybe, one more. Uh, maybe Slightly, one more, maybe my favorite one. The,
6: <laughs> the room where you've decided that you're at the point in your life where you just you don't care what people think about
0: you.
7: you know, exactly. That's the one. So we call it living single established. You know, when you come to that part of life, when you feel that my, I know my personality, I know what I like and I could do it all the way. What would that look like? So we have done a tent, which is like all green on the outside and when you come on the inside it's just one pattern and to be able to be go into that part of the exhibition you have to put on a poncho in exactly the same pattern so then the room and the home becomes your personality and your personality becomes the home so interacting in that way that's the idea so i'm really interested in
6: this kind of role that you're playing at salone because Traditionally, it's a furniture fair for you know, large, well, quite a large number of Italian furniture companies, maybe aiming or definitely aiming at uh, higher price point products, showcasing them. You're providing something that's a little bit more universal. What's the, I guess, the ambition here to stand out or to say something to the industry and to the people that are at Salone about IKEA in this world of design and a little bit of world of luxury here as well?
7: I mean, it's pretty simple, the message that we want to give to people, and that is that we think, when we do design, we call it democratic design within IKEA, we think that people is the most important thing, actually. So how could you cater for people's needs, dreams, and aspirations? It's not about the stuff, it's about the people. That's what we want to say with this exhibition.
6: And in terms of new releases, we should talk about that, because just like the other furniture brands, you have your novelties here. You're working with some incredible well-known, I guess, designers who re- really do beautiful stuff and make an impact on the home. So can you share with us who you've decided to work with this year?
7: Yeah, we're going to have some uh, introductions here from uh, some new things, uh, some new things from Ada Crawford, for instance. And she was on stage today as well, because we have talks every day at our place. Then uh, Sabine Marsalis is coming also with a range of light units, which are pretty fabulous. It's coming later in the week, I would say very understated, yet extremely good design. What's more, yeah, we have an, uh, <laughs> a big reveal also on a collaboration with the Swedish House Mafia, which is all about, you know, making music in your home. So connection to music again. Then, I think it's tomorrow, we will have a reveal of a collaboration with uh, Latin America's young creatives also. I don't know if you remember, we did a couple of years ago, we did something with Design Indaba, about actually young designers from all over Africa which was really a good learning for us and turned out great, I think, design-wise, too.
6: You said before that you've worked with IKEA and design for many, many years. You've obviously seen the industry develop, but also what's going on internally at IKEA develop. What do you forecast for the future in terms of the way IKEA will approach the home in terms of its design, in terms of its production? Is it going to need a massive shift to move into this more sustainable world? I know that you guys have spent a lot of time already thinking about this and working on this. And the thing is, the scale of the company means that,
7: I guess, things always need to change. But where are things heading for IKEA as a design company? I think the biggest shift for everybody right now is the shift for circular design, actually, and how to do that. And I think we've seen the first iterations, which is all about recycling material. I think we're going to see a second phase of that, which is more component-based. Actually, that's my personal view, not IKEA's view, where you actually are designing things more from a, a Lego perspective. I mean, we sit here in this place where you have the the perfect example of that in these storage units, which has been around for quite a while, actually, and is built upon components that could be reused over and over again. Because then you take the next frontier in design, also, because just. Reusing material is still like energy consumption, but reusing components, it's zero energy. It's just smart, but it's hard.
6: (laughs) But that could eventually in, I don't know, a mattress where you could replace springs or, you know, a table where you can stick a new leg on it when one gets worn out. I mean, is that the sort of thing you're talking about?
7: I think that's one of the things that we're talking about, actually, and that we're looking into. But then, when you talk about mattresses, which is kind of interesting, we have this project, I think we're going to talk about it here as well, which is like the Retour Mattress project that we do in, in the Netherlands, where we are actually taking care of and recycling more mattresses than we sell within IKEA, which is pretty amazing. So, we take care of 1.2 million mattresses and then take 86%, I think it is, of all of the material is reused again in those mattresses. So, that's like New ways of also working with this, and this is new technologies because those things were hugely time consuming and you know had to have like a lot of manual labor. This is fully mechanic now, so it's uh, pretty good.
6: And just finally, I think we should maybe share with well, hopefully, you will share with the listeners a little bit more about your own practice because you're not just working with IKEA now, you have your own design firm, you have a presence in London as well as a few other cities. What are you doing what's the name of the studio what do you want to boast about or tease people with
7: oh yeah yeah i work half time for ikea actually and half time for my own agency which is called skewed skewed productions honestly where we do all sorts of things but it's from other learnings through life that you know the importance of actually having the design process intertwined with the communication process so that's what we do for a couple of companies we work for Volvo, for instance, Swedish companies like that. A bit in fashion, smaller things as well. We're in London and three cities in Sweden. That's where we are. My
0: thanks to IKEA's Marcus Engman there. And that's all for today's show. We'll be bringing you more from Salone Del Mobile and Milan Design Week in our next episode. Until then, for more design stories, listen to our five-minute midweek bonus show, Monocle On Design Extra, which airs on Thursdays. My thanks to Desiree Banley and Jack Jewers for editing today's episode. I'm Nick Manise. Thanks for listening.